0: Welcome, Living Hope Community. Um, for those of you that are joining us, thank you for being here, and for those online, thank you very much and happy Easter to all of you. Um, if you'd like to join me, I'm reading from the Gospel of Luke um, chapter 24. So I'll give you 10 seconds, I guess, for those who've got a search writ to find chapter 24.) And it's from verses 1 to 12. Okay, it's uh, entitled The Resurrection. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. and they remembered his words and returning from the tomb they told all these things to the 11 and to and to the rest and to all the rest now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told them these things these things to the apostles who told these things to the apostles but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them but Peter rose and ran to the tomb Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for reading uh, God's word this evening, and I would ask you to join me in a, a word of prayer as we ask God's blessing upon His word. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for speaking to us again this evening. Lord, those that are online and, to, and those that are here this evening, we ask and pray that you will speak to us. We also pray for those that are going to be watching this sermon again over during the week. We ask, Lord, that you will speak and that you will continue to minister. Lord, we humbly surrender our lives to you, Father, because we know that it's not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit. And Lord, let not self be seen, but let your name be glorified. And so we pray this evening, God, that you will have your rightful place among us and that you will open our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. um, For those of you who have your Bibles, I will encourage you to keep it with you. um, And I would ask that you follow me along this evening as I um, bring God's word to you. So um, once again, happy uh, Resurrection Sunday for those of you who are joining us. At this point in time. And we're excited to be here. We're excited to bring God's word to you. Um, I just want to say this evening. uh, Let us open our hearts. And celebrate Christ is risen. And yes. He is risen from the dead. And we have something to celebrate. We have something to rejoice. Easter is the most joyous event in the life of the Christian church. Why? Because we do not celebrate a dead Christ, but one who is alive and seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. And not only making intercession for us, but the Bible says that He has chosen to live in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit for everyone who believe in His name. All four gospel writers gave us the account of the resurrection of Jesus. Matthew spoke of him in Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, and John chapter 20, and the passage we read here tonight. In addition to the account of the resurrection, Jesus had already predicted his own death, as you heard me last week. Three times he, he predicted his death. And in all four gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, bear record of that. Last week you heard me mention that between Matthew and Mark, there were six times that Jesus predicted his death. And you can find the same very account in the other gospel as well. Because Jesus is, has risen from the dead. And, and I want to take you back to Mark chapter 10. Like I said, you're going to have to keep your Bible with you. Mark chapter 10 and verse 32, Jesus said, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. But look at the latter part of this verse. And after three days, he will rise. Hallelujah. Three times Jesus foretell of his death. But none of his disciples, brothers and sisters, paid close attention to what he said concerning his death and completely missed the resurrection. Every one of them missed that latter part of what Jesus said, that he will go to Jerusalem and he will be mocked and scuff and flogged, but he also will be killed. Not only will he be killed, but he also will rise again. So they missed, they missed the resurrection for some reason. His death came as a surprise to them, and so was His resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very foundation of the Christian faith and the preaching, not only for the Christian faith, and for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, the gospel we preach, brothers and sisters, would be of no effect. Let me say that again. Without the resurrection, The gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel we preach would be of no effect. Without the resurrection, Christianity is just another dead religion. Our faith would have been dead. And there will be no hope for lost humanity. The resurrection is either false. The resurrection is either a fiction. Or the resurrection is the greatest supreme event in the history of mankind. You can say that it's a false. You can say that it's fiction or you can acknowledge the fact that it is the greatest supreme event in the history of the world. And why is it a fact? Why is the resurrection the greatest supreme event in the history of the world? You see, all four gospel writers gave the account of the empty tomb. Yes, the empty tomb of Jesus was empty. That is why they said the tomb was empty. However, the empty tomb was not the only evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Anyone could have taken the body of Jesus. Anyone could have taken the body of our Lord. And there are some, and I mean skeptics of our times, and even in the first century, Say that the early church created the idea of the resurrection so that the disciples can continue to teach, continue with the teaching of Christ and to, and to cherish the memories of Christ so that that memory can live on. But how can the disciples have made, how can the disciples have made up the resurrection, how can they do that? When they were surprised by His resurrection themselves. Even though the disciples had no clue what to expect after the death of Jesus. Jesus' death. Some say that the disciples stole the body and hid it. And then make up the resurrection. Why would they want to risk their lives for such a thing? And then spend the rest of their lives living a lie. Why die for a lie? Not only did they, they said that the disciples stole the body and they had no reason to do so. Some said that the religious leaders, those who persecute him, those who put him on a cross, took the body and hid it. Now what would they do with the body of Jesus? What would it benefit them from taking the body of Jesus when they are the ones who crucified him? They're the ones who put Him on a cross. They're the ones who heard Him say, Destroy this body and I, on the third day I will rise again. It would be in their best interest to present the body of Jesus so that they can disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that they can prove that this Jesus is a liar and a lunatic. And we can remember the words of C.S. Lewis that says that Jesus is either a liar a lunatic, or he is Lord. Just like the resurrection, it's either a fact, a fiction, or it's a farce. You see the you see the 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 evidence of the resurrection was the witnesses, the witness sorry of the angels who appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other women and all those who witness the risen Christ all those who have appeared afterwards when the lord met them the empty tomb was not enough brothers and sisters you need the eyewitness account of the resurrection you need the account of the resurrection appearance the empty tomb was not enough luke 24 is a continue luke 23 chapter 50 all the way from luke 23 is a continuation and I want to read that passage again to you. This, uh, read this passage to you. Luke 23 verse 15. Now there was a man named Joseph. From the Jewish tongue of Arimathea. He was a member of the council. A good and righteous man. Who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. You see that Joseph of Joseph of Arimathea, was a Jewish leader, part of the Sanhedrin Council. But he never took part in the persecution of Jesus. This man went to Pilate, this religious man, this leader went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone where no one has ever yet been laid so it was a brand new tomb. No one has used it. And it was Joseph's tomb for his family. But he gave it for, the, for, for Jesus' burial. And look what it says. It was the day of preparation. And the Sabbath was beginning. So this was Friday evening. The Jewish Sabbath starts after sundown. After sundown is when the Jewish Sabbath starts at, on Friday evening. So Sabbath continues, so the women that were there, as the verse, verse 55 said, a woman who had come with Joseph, or I'm um, sorry, with Jesus from Galilee, followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. So the woman saw the tomb. The woman was present when Joseph went and asked for the body, but they never had the opportunity to prepare spices and, and, and to prepare the body for burial because of the Sabbath. And then on Saturday, they rested and they waited. But look what John's, Luke is saying. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointment so that they can once again, after the Sabbath, anoint the body or prepare the body for burial. And look at the latter part of that verse. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. So they respected the very commandment of Moses or the Sabbath. So they rested on Saturday. And then Luke gives us the account. In chapter 24, that the woman came that early morning to look for the body and to anoint it. They didn't have to search for the tomb. They didn't have to look for it because they knew exactly where it was. They knew, they knew which tomb. They know where it was located. And that morning, they were going to prepare the body of our Lord. And the women were, were with the body. They accompanied the body to the tomb. They knew exactly, like I said, where he was laid. And because of, of the, the beginning of the Sabbath, they were not allowed to do so, to prepare it. And then on, on Sunday, on Sunday they came to the grave. But I want to draw your attention to something here this morning, this evening. We were the men. They were nowhere to be found. The woman never left the sight of Jesus from the time they heard of the crucifixion. They watched him crucified. They watched him die. They stayed with the body until he was buried. They wanted to pay their last respect by preparing the body for burial. The least they could have done for him. And look at the detailed account that Luke gave us. He gave us the historical evidence. That is, when you read the gospel, when you read Luke chapter 24, you can see how Luke presented the evidence to us. Chris, Real, Chris read tonight Luke 24, verse 1. He says, but the first day of the week. What is Luke saying to us? He gave us the day. Then he give us the time. Then he gave us the missing body or the missing tomb or the empty tomb. Then he gave us the divine witness. And then he gave us the prophecy. Five things Luke presented to us. Look what he says. But on the first day of the week. First day, we know which day, which is Sunday at early dawn. We know the time they went. Who went? The woman went to the tomb, taking the spices, all the spices that they had prepared. But look what? They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So we have the day we have the time we have the missing body the empty tomb but look at the verse 4 while they were perplexed about this can you imagine if you go to to visit your loved one when they die to a tomb and you cannot find a body what would you do this is the response of the woman they were perplexed They, they 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 were worried they start to to, to be anxious about what was happening, what was taking place. And then behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, or two angels. And as they were frightened, and they, uh, it says they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground. And the man said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Isn't that amazing? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not among the dead, but why are you seeking it? Basically what the angels were saying, why do you seek the living one? The living one among the dead. The living here in this passage simply means living one. This is the name, brothers and sisters, that Jesus used of himself, living one, when he appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, hear what, hear what John says and hear what he declared. When I saw him, when I saw who? Christ. I fell at his feet and though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, that is Jesus. Fear not. Hear what Jesus says. I am the first and I am the last and the living one. I am the first. I am the last and The living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death. And Hades or hell. The world angel says, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is no longer here because he has risen. But then look what the angel said to them. Remember. How he told you, this Jesus whom you are looking for, remember the prophecy that he told you while he was still in Galilee. That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. But look at the latter part of that verse. And... They remembered His word, yes. They remembered the prophecy, yes. They remembered that the Lord says that He will rise again. That He is no longer dead, but that He is alive. And returning from the tomb, the woman didn't, didn't wait for anything else. That says, returning, returning from the tomb, all the things that they, they went and they shared it among the eleven. They were excited because they are no longer looking for the living they were not looking for the Lord for his dead body. They no longer wanted to present, to, to go, and, and they had no reason to, to, to anoint the body or prepare it for, 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 for burial. They no longer had to do that. As you can see, John gave us the historical evidence, the date, the time, the missing body. The woman caught by surprise of the empty tomb. The witness of the angels and the prophecy of Jesus. Therefore, if the disciples and the religious leaders did not take the body, then the only possible answer is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was, a, was indeed and is a supreme divine act of God. It is a supernatural act of the living God. The scripture provides evidence that the Father The Son and the Holy Spirit are all responsible. The entire Godhead, the triune God is responsible for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me help you to understand that. Turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 17. Hear what John says. For this reason the Father, Jesus said, and John is writing. For this reason the Father loves me. Jesus said, for this reason the Father loves me because I, I Lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Jesus says, I lay down my life, and I will take it up again. And no one takes it from me. It's not the Jewish leader. It's not the Roman leaders. It's not anyone else. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me, willingly, in obedience to the Father's will and command. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my, fa- of my own accord, on my own willingness. I have the authority to lay it down. And I have the authority to take it up, Jesus said. This charge I have received from my father. So the father was involved in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then Paul and Barnabas When they were in Antioch, in Acts chapter 13, here Paul says, And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, everything, the prophecy, they followed, they followed the prophecy, and they carried it out according to the scriptures. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God, but God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. God raised him from the dead, brothers and sisters. And for many days he appeared to those who had come with him from Galilee. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to the woman. He appeared in Jerusalem. And we are who are now witnesses to this. the people and we bring you the good news that God has promised to the fathers this is he this he has fulfilled to us dear children by raising up Jesus and also it is written in the Psalms read second Psalms Psalms 2 verse 7 you are my son today I have begotten you so it was not man's doing it was God's doing if we continue to read Acts chapter 13, Paul will then go, Paul goes on to provide more evidence in the Old Testament. Passages should show that the resurrection was a divine act of God. Then in Romans 1, 1 chapter 1, Paul again. Paul says concerning his son. Not only the father, not only the son was involved. Hear what Paul says. Concerning his son. Who was the... Who, was descended from David according again to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. According to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus, our Lord." Brothers and sisters, I want to say this today, this evening. For those of you that are listening here and on, on, on Facebook and YouTube, all of what we preach, all of what we believe, rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If, in fact, the very foundation of the Christian faith rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ was not raised from the dead, all we have is a dead religion, a dead faith You and I would have been wasting our time serving a dead God. Forgiveness of sins would have been a lie. And we would have all still be dead in our trespasses and sin and without hope. And Paul made that argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is not only my words, this is Paul's words. Hear what he says. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching, what I stand up and do here this evening, it would be done in vain. And he says, You who are listening and are and are responding to that, your faith will be in vain. And Paul says that we are found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sin. Then those who have fallen asleep, not only we who are alive, but those who have fallen asleep in Christ, have perished. And if Christ, and if in Christ we have hope, in this life only, only in this life, Paul says, we are all people most to be pitied miserable and paul gives six things six things that would be disastrous to the christian faith that would destroy the christian faith because it's it's a fall it's it's false it doesn't rest on a foundation but christ is alive and that is the reason why the resurrection Is the supreme act of God. Paul says. If Christ was not raised. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would be in vain. The first thing. He says our faith in Christ. Would also be in vain. It would be pointless. And Christ would be still dead. And Christ would still be dead. And all the evidences. All the eyewitnesses. Would be a lie. And we who preach the resurrection. Would be preaching a lie also. And all of us that are here and those that are watching, we will still be in our sins, lost, and without hope. And those who die, our loved ones who die and put their feet in Christ, die in vain. They die without a hope. They die as fools without hope. And we as believers in Christ would be most miserable. Paul provided six arguments against that. But the good news this evening, brothers and sisters, the good news is that the grave could not hold him down. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the grave could not hold him down. Thanks be to God that Jesus triumphed over death. Thanks be to God that he triumphed over hell and the grave to set us free. Free from the power of sin. Free from the power of hell. Free from the power of death. So that you and I can live. Live in eternity. Be with him. Because he lived, the Bible says. We will, we shall live also. It is not a dead hope. It's a hope that is alive. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. After the power of the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, men, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and sign that God did through him in your midst. As you yourself know, this Jesus, this Jesus God delivered up according to the... The definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified him. You killed him. You placed him in a tomb. By the hands of lawless men. You did all of these. But God raised him up again. God raised him up. Losing the pranks of death. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Death had no power and authority over him. That had no power over him, brothers and sisters. You see, the death of Christ was not enough. Not only do we have the evidence from Luke and the evidence of the eyewitnesses. You see, the death of Christ was not enough to save us. If you believe here this afternoon that the death of Christ was enough to save you, then it's not enough. That is the reason why we can never, never, ever separate the death of Christ from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They go hand in hand. Every one of the Gospel writers, when you read their account, and even in the New Testament, they all talk about the death of Christ and the resurrection. It goes hand to hand. You can never separate the death of Christ from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How can you have the death? without the resurrection. Yes, you can have the death, but there must be the resurrection because the very foundation of our Christian faith rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If anyone preaches about the death of Christ without the resurrection, all you have is a false gospel. And here is what the death of Christ does for us. Here is what Jesus accomplished on the cross, the rugged cross. We sang there tonight, Oh, Divine, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The death of Christ, brothers and sisters, on that cross satisfied God's wrath against lost humanity. It satisfied. It says it appeases God. The death of Christ was the substitutionary sacrifice offered for us. Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for our sin. He did not have to atone for himself, but for the sin of every one of us. Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. Therefore, the death of Christ appeases God's wrath against sinners. When Jesus cried, it is finished. It was not finished that he died. It is finished. That means that he satisfied the will of the Father. He satisfied God's plan for paying the price for sin. Because He was the perfect, sinless sacrifice for sin, none other. And there will never be any other sacrifice for sin, because Jesus paid it all. And that's what His death did for us. So if the death of Christ offers the redemption for us, lost sinners, then the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees us three things this evening. And as you leave here this evening, there are three things that the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees us. It guarantees the present forgiveness. It guarantees our justification. And it guarantees our assurance for eternal life. Present forgiveness, our justification, and our assurance of eternal life. Let me quickly touch on those. It guarantees our present forgiveness. You see, without the resurrection, our present forgiveness would not have been made possible. Peter again in Acts chapter 5 said, but Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Here what Peter says. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed again, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. To give what? To give repentance to Israel, and forgiveness for sin. God raised him to give that so that forgiveness can be made possible. And it guarantees each and every one of us that if we come to Him, the Bible says that He will no likewise cast out. And then 1 Corinthians Paul says, And if Christ is not being raised, your faith is dead. And you are still in your sin. If Christ was not raised from the grave, you will still be in your sin. Because of the resurrection, our forgiveness is guaranteed. And we can rest assured that our forgiveness, that we are forgiven. And if we ask for forgiveness, He will forgive us. And that is, what the, that is the assurance that we have. John chapter 1 and verse 18 If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess, look at that, if we confess our sin, He is faithful. Who? Christ is faithful and just to what? To forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His words is not in us. This is the words of of the Apostle John. That we have an assurance that, yes, if we come, He will forgive us. There is forgiveness for lost sinners through the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it guarantees it. The resurrection guarantees our justification. Because of the resurrection, we are justified Before a holy God, that when you stand before God, God does not see you, but He sees the righteousness of Christ. You stand justified. You stand in, you are now in the right standing with God through what Christ has done for us, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, hear what Paul says. But now, remember, I told you we're going to do a lot of reading in your Bible. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, brothers and sisters, through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned. All have sinned, never forget that. Every one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God no matter where you are this evening. Each and every one of us were in that state before we come to Christ. And But Paul says, and are justified. We are justified, we are made right by His grace as a gift. It is not something that you have done, but it's something that God has done. Through the what? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His own blood. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time. So that He might be just and the justifier of the one who puts faith in Jesus Christ. So we are justified before a holy God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said it was Christ was raised for our justification. You see, resurrection brings us into the right standing with God. Not not something that we have done, but something that Christ has done. The reformers get it right, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone and in Christ alone. Not something that you have done, but something that Christ has done. Romans 4.25, Paul says, who was delivered up? Christ was delivered up for our trespasses. And was raised for our what? Our justification. Christ was raised for our justification. Not you. Christ. So you cannot justify yourself before a holy God. You need Christ to be justified. You need the resurrection to be justified. And it's only the resurrection guarantees our justification. And finally Paul says, not only do we have our present forgiveness. Not only are we for are justified, but toward the resurrection guarantees our assurance of eternal life. What a wonderful, amazing thing that we can rejoice today. Because of the resurrection, every one of us have a hope beyond the grave. Death cannot hold you down. Peter said, Peter says in force, Peter, blessed be the God and Father. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great, his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Christ caused us to be born again to a living hope. Believers in Christ, we do not have a dead hope, but a hope that is alive. It is an eternal hope through Jesus Christ. Here Paul says, to born, here Paul says "Cause us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not something that you have done, but through what Jesus Christ has done. We have a hope beyond the grave, a living hope, a hope that is alive, that you and I can stand here and say that tomorrow and even when we die, that we know where we are going because it's a guaranteed, it's an assurance that we have in Jesus Christ. Resurrection from the dead to an inheritance, Paul says. We're not only guaranteed a hope, we're not only given this hope, but we have an inheritance that is imperishable. Nothing can destroy it. It's undefiled, nothing can stain it. And unfading, it will always stand at times kept in heaven for you. Brothers and sisters, if there's something that you need to rejoice tonight is this, that we have a hope. And we have an inheritance through Jesus Christ. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Hallelujah. Kept in heaven. It's guaranteed. It's secured. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Yes, there is come a day when you and I will inherit this inheritance. And Paul would make it. Paul would make it known to us as I bring this message to a close. Paul says in 1st Corinthians, I tell you this, brothers, I tell you this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit the imperishable. But hear this, hear this wonderful words from the Apostle Paul as we bring this message. He says, behold, I tell you of a mystery. I tell you of a mystery, that we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Isn't that our hope, brothers and sisters? That we shall all, not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, yes, for the trump shall sound, will sound, and the dead in Christ will raised. imperishable and we shall all be changed. I'm looking forward for that day. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, Paul says, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable put, when the perishable put on imperishable, and this mortal put on immortality, then comes the past, and the saying that is written, O death, O death, where is O death? Sorry, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory. Jesus Christ and that is the message of the resurrection that is the reason why Christ rose from the grave brothers and sisters to set us free to guarantee us an inheritance and so that one day you and I will be with him and we shall see him the Bible says that when he comes we shall be like him that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a dead hope. It's not a dead faith. We anchored our faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So let us rejoice and let us celebrate this resurrection Sunday. That Christ is risen and yes, he is risen from the dead. And we as Christians, we celebrate that. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you once again for guarantee us, guarantee our salvation, Father, because you rose from the dead. We have this hope, not a dead hope, but a living hope, as Peter says, a living hope, a hope that is alive, a hope that is kept, Lord, and an inheritance that is kept for us through all eternity imperishable. God, nothing can can stop it. Nothing can penetrate it, nothing can destroy it, and you have given us that. And so we rejoice this evening because you have given your life for us. And not only did you give your life for us, but God, you rose triumphantly from the grave so that we can celebrate this evening, Lord, and rejoice that our hope is built on nothing less but than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, the songwriter says, but trust in Jesus' name. Let us sing and rejoice this evening that we truly do have a hope that is alive. Let us sing this evening. Amen.